Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. Welcome back to the Football by Football Podcast. I'm Matt Chatham, your host, joined today by a couple special guests, my old buddy Gray Rugemer, teammate with the Patriots, two Super Bowl rings, one with us, one with the Packers, longtime NFL offensive lineman from Arizona State. What's up, Gray? Hey. Making a little phone call, talking some shop. Uh, love talking football. Had a kid, had a kid. And uh, on the other side, we've got uh, a linebacker, which, you know, is a, is a matter of bias. It seems like I always try to throw one in there. But uh, uh, another <laughs> writer man, for us. That's why. I know this, Rock, you know. Just got to keep it right. So, anyway, we got Rocky Boyman, a former Notre Dame alum and a longtime NFL linebacker himself with the Super Bowl ring with the Colts. Rocky Boyman, what's up, man? Pleasure to be here, guys. Let's do this again. All right, let's have some fun here. So, uh, again, both these guys obviously have written for Football by Football quite a bit, have put some great stuff out there. We're going to kind of steer this in a direction that I know both guys have sort of touched on in their columns in the past or have been persistent gripes. I think amongst the three of us, that's in part why I kind of wanted to get this group together for this particular show. Uh, but the, the, the show theme today is how to improve NFL football. Uh, and I went out of my way to make sure to title it how to prove improve NFL football because, you know, obviously the National Football League has plays the game, uh, but it plays its own brand of the game. Uh, and it's always kind of been one of my gripes that, that people, I think, often think of them as synonymous, like whatever the NFL does, that's football. And I was always maybe a little more old school in my belief that football was this game that existed outside what this particular professional league did and the league just adopts it and then sort of manipulates it as it sees fit. So what we're talking about is saying, hey, you know what? The NFL, they play a brand of the game. Uh, They went just recently back in the spring and had their rule changes. We now go to the dead part of the NFL schedule uh, where I think anticipation is very high for the upcoming season, I think with all of us. Uh, But now uh, we'll go back and we'll flip on our TVs and we'll start watching games again. And I think a lot of the complaints that you saw throughout the course of last season are still going to be there. And I think that's one of the major frustrations that the stuff we talked about then, they had their little meeting. They had the rules committee meeting. And here's what came out of the wash. So for for listeners out there and and for you guys as well, I'll give you sort of the breakdown of what's new uh, as far as the the, the rules committee issues and what they addressed. We all know sort of the, the headline item, which may not even be a big deal is, is the extra point changing, you know, moving back to the 15 yard line in hopes of sort of ratcheting down that completion percentage number a little bit. Uh, some of the other stuff in my view is, is pretty minor, some stuff that's really not going to have a tremendous effect of what goes on in the game. And I think that's in part why this is so frustrating. You would hope the changes would be stuff that actually makes a big deal. They've got that third party appointed certified ethic trainer, the dude, 
up in uh, up in the stands who can now call down and actually stop play, which might be a big deal, might not, who knows. Instant replay has expanded to potentially review the game clock. That's new. Uh, this is silly. Defensive formation uh, for punt teams, punt return teams can't push on punt teams now. That was number three, whatever, Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, and number <laughs> – that was a huge issue. Thank God they fixed that. So, <laughs> number four, illegal peelback blockers now extends to all offensive players. Again, you know, look at an NFL message board. They, they People have been, you know, torches in the street calling for that. Thank God they fixed that. So, uh, number six – number five would be a, 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 the defenseless posture thing. It extends now after after interceptions. You still have protection there. For whatever reason, uh, and then number six, it's illegal to chop to for a back to chop block a defensive player engaged above the waist. Blobity, blobity, blobity. I don't care. Anyway, so <laughs> the point is, these are six issues brought up now addressed. Uh, and what I wanted to throw to you guys is, you know, that is not what I think is on the moment of mind of most former players like ourselves and fans who watch the game. Uh, I'll start with you, Gray. What do they miss? What's a more pressing issue that carries over from, from last season to this? I think a mute button for the commissioner is definitely <laughs> that needs to be uh, in play. Uh, I don't think he, he should be allowed to speak. Um, you know, he can't rule Second. on things. I think if he just gets out of his own way and gets out in front of the camera, the game will improve tremendously. Uh, that, that's my first one. All right. All right. I like it. From From, from my perspective – I often think about the game from the fans' perspective, or at least, you know, obviously being a player, I always thought about it from my perspective, but now that I'm in the media and, and you know, you figure out what drives the game, and it's really about eyeballs coming to the to the TV screen or, or going to games. So I, what I see in terms of uh, disrupting a fan's enjoyment of the game, therefore making it, you know, frustrating for fans, is the amount of damn penalties that get right. thrown, the amount of flags that get thrown, and, and again, I, I just think it's so. I, I always think about, and I've used this analogy on, on a piece that I wrote uh, for Football by Football. I think your average American, they you know, they they trudge out a living all week, Monday through Friday. Saturday, they're doing stuff around the house. Sunday, man, that's their relaxing day. They want to sit on their couch and relax and watch a football game. But now, I, I just feel that the rules are becoming so complicated. We're, we're adding more and more rules, and more, therefore, more and more penalties. I, I think the average fan watches a the game, they go. You know, somebody will get hit and they'll go, well, was that a penalty? Should there have been a penalty? Why is there not a flag? You, you know, and then you've got to interpret right. the, you know, how, what, what is a complete catch? You know, what is, what is helmet-to-helmet contact? Did his face mask hit the, hit the guy's uh, helmet? Did he hit him below the neck? You know, it's just a very convoluted thing, and I, I just think somehow, some way, they need to find a way to, to limit the amount of penalties and maybe even limit the amount of, like, take away some rules. And I get I understand we're you know, in an age right now, and the NFL is certainly very uh, concerned about player safety, and, and I get all that. But they've got to find a way to, to take some of these flags, some of the ticky-tack penalties out of there. I just think it's become such a, a witch hunt now. Anytime there's a big hit, there comes a flag. And I think the fans go, right. oh, God, you know, I just kind of wanted to get, these, get this game in in three hours, relax on the couch, and then i got to go outside and mow the grass. But now i got to <laughs> right. think. I want right. to think. I want to relax and watch a football game. So, I, you know, I, don't, I know that's kind of a, a broad generalization, but somehow they got to take it, just make it a little bit more, just flow a little bit better. Well, I couldn't, agree. I couldn't agree more. And let me, let me offer some quotes uh, that tells me that, this kind of combines Gray's point and Rocky's. 
uh, he's not hearing you. <laughs> okay, so yeah. here's yeah. here's here's some quotes from the Super Bowl, uh, from the Super Bowl press conference, his sort of state oh, no. of the state kind of thing, uh, where he actually referenced these are the these are those moments where I'm like, you know, I just you, you roll your eyes and you go, man, this guy's tone deaf as it comes. But anyway, we'll, we'll put his we'll put his words out there and sort of respond to them. But what he says is, quote, while the quality of the game continues to improve. Fans want every play to have suspense. Now, to be fair to this guy and put it in context, he's talking now about the extra points and things like that, right? But first of all, the you know the first part of that I have a, an obvious issue with is is sort of him taking credit for somehow improving the game, as if you know it, there was a problem with it or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. The, yeah, the quality's better because of what I did. Thank me later, you know. <laughs> no, uh, but <laughs> anyway, uh, but then okay. So at least there's an acknowledgement there on his part that there needs to be suspense in the game in, in every play. Uh, so he's sort of tack- He's sort of on one hand acknowledging that that is something that fans want, but then he's so incredibly unaware that he's, in my view, championed in one of the biggest non-suspense issues in the, in the league's recent history, and that's sort of all these new touchbacks. So if, if you're saying that, <laughs> you've also ushered in this huge dead play thing, uh, you're not, you haven't fixed a problem, and I think you're aware of something that you've, uh, that you've actually created. So uh, I would go to this next part of this. He goes in and he says, fans don't want delays. Coaches don't want delays. And, and it's like, wow, man. Yeah, yeah, we're right with you. So what are you going to do? Well, we're going to create a whole bunch of new touchbacks. We're going to reinforce this rule. We're going to have a point of emphasis for this, this, and this, and this. And like, whoa, 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 that doesn't do those things that you're proposing there, pal. And I, I think that, to me, is the, the frustrating thing. It's that I think they're, they do a decent job of acknowledging what, what the fans want. And then they don't have the solution for it. And it's, Go ahead. It's like this. I, I think the fan, a fan wants to have um, Spence and play yes, but I think even more than that, they want flow to a game. What's the right. people's biggest gripe with the game of baseball right now? It's that, okay, there's a pitch, and then there's like 15, 20, 30 seconds, and then there's another pitch. There's no real flow to it. And I think football, that's kind of the beauty of it. It flows very good. It's fast. It looks great on TV. But now with all these flags, seemingly every other play, a flag gets thrown out there, and then you got to decipher the rule. I mean, look, even the analysts don't know. They have to literally have to employ <laughs> right, right. Mike Pereira, a former NFL referee, to try yeah. to interpret these rules for people. And even Mike Pereira gets it wrong, it, which, which, again, just comes back to, to my point of it's becoming so mm-hmm. such a complicated thing. When, man, people, at the end of the day, it's about the fans enjoying the game. And if they have to you know, go through this whole stop-start and think kind of you know, balancing act, I just think it takes away from the product. Well, I think you highlight a point, Rocky, that you're asking officials to now interpret more and be right on every single issue. And that's not possible. When you have 22 guys out there running around the field and you're trying to look at your section, your zone, you're going to get it wrong. And we're sadling these guys with a lot more interpretive skills, quote unquote, that is frankly unfair. Simplify the rule book. I think you allow guys to talk smack, allow guys to do the things that naturally happen in the sport. And you know what? Let's take a, a page out of the NHL. Guys have beef, circle up. And you know what? <laughs> I like it. I like it. You go out on the 50-yard line, and then, and then you, have, you know what? You go to the sideline. You're not allowed to play for a quarter. But you want to duke it up? Go ahead. But let's, no let's take some of this nonsense out of the game because there's going to be human error. How do we minimize that? You minimize it by, st- you know, 
quit putting all these restrictions on, well, if it's not this, it's this, then that, then no. It's black and white pretty much, by and large. We've all played the game. We know when guys cross the line. It's pretty cut right. and dry. Right, and, and in terms of the, you know, I know that one of the major points of emphasis, and it's really been, a, a, you know, a, the reason for a lot of these, so many more flags getting thrown is obviously illegal contact and illegal hits and stuff like that. But to your point, Gray, I think the average fan can see if that if, what, what a malicious hit is and what isn't. But so many more times now, flags are getting thrown. And they're like, well, wait a minute, like what, what, are you, what are you talking about? It looked like a you know, guy had his shoulder in there and and, and hit him. It looked like it looked pretty good to me. You, an average fan can see that versus okay, a guy leads with his helmet. And hits the guy in the helmet. Okay, serious. I mean, there's no real, yes. you know, we don't have to diagnose that kind of thing. You know, it's, it, the average person can see it. The ones that are blatant, call them. The ones that aren't blatant, let, let's keep on because the fans like it, right? They, they like some big hits out there. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, well, that, well, that's part of the game. We all know signing up for it that if you're running downfield around the ball carrier, you, you might just get taken out. We know yeah. that's an accepted <laughs> risk, but – you know, let, let's, fans let's, love let's that. Again, it comes back to the fan. Yeah. They love that. So, you know, what, what, what gives? Like, like defensive contact, I think it should be hands-on all the time. If you can't get off the line of scrimmage, that's your own fault as a Amen. receiver or a tight end. Dude, get better. Sorry. If I can lock you down as an outside <laughs> linebacker or a corner and you can't get off, that means, you, nah, I, I don't care how fast you are. If you can't get off the line of scrimmage, that's physical play. That's what people like to see. So for fans out there that are, that are listening to this show, I wanted to. Die. I'm glad you you picked up on the illegal contact point. I mean, it's it's something that I, I know it's going to go this direction. So for fans out there, the illegal contact issue, there I think there's a perception that it's a relatively new thing. Uh, you know, you you'll bring this up in some sort of uh, comment section underneath a a column that's complaining about these kind of calls, and I don't think people realize that illegal contact has actually been on the books. Since the seventies, I don't have an exact date here, but I have several places referencing that it's it's not new. Uh, what was new was after the two thousand four AFC Championship game, where where our team beat that, where our Patriots team beat the Colts, and Bill Poley and the general manager for the Colts advocated very heavily in that offseason using really two pieces of tape uh, that AFC Championship game, and then the the Patriots uh, win against the Rams in the Super Bowl from a few years prior is sort of exhibits A and B to why we need to reemphasize illegal contact, have a strict sort of bright line kind of thing. You hit the five yards and the flag should go up regardless of its, whether or not it's impacting the play. And I, I, I the, the rationale for doing this that Bill used at the time um, is that, you know, we don't want a bunch of games turning into, you know, field goal games because of grabbing and clutching and uh, illegal contact net being called consistently oddly enough in that game it was a 24 to 14 game so his team that was supposedly on the wrong end of that had no field goal so I'm not sure what he's talking about there but beyond but beyond that issue if you were to bring this into play and create sort of a bright line thing it to me what I think is the biggest problem I I, I personally and, and again you know I know Brock you played there and in, in Andy but I I I personally put the illegal contact emphasis thing that happened back in 2004 is probably one of the worst things to happen on field to the game of football really in the last decade. It's, it's something that's a huge aggravation to me just because I feel like this no touching thing is so anti-football. Now, if, if his, if, if the, the point of emphasis coming out of that game is saying, Hey, let's, let's go back to no more clutching, no more grabbing. We'll call the, you know, the on ball stuff a little more closely. That, that'd be a different situation, but, I'll, I'll put it out there as an example to folks. And I don't know if folks understand this. I know Rocky and I obviously would doing 
doing college football games, illegal contact doesn't exist in college football. Uh, you can only not contact them once the ball's in the air. So this narrative idea that if we let them touch one another while, you know, prior to when the ball's in the air, just, you know, it's going to affect the offenses. They won't be able to score as much. Well, that's a load of crap. I mean, you look at, at, at recent BCS championship games, these guys score without illegal contact. <laughs> the games uh, are like 40, absolutely. I mean, 48 to 45. I mean, 500 yards of offense <laughs> exactly. game. Yeah. It's just but it's just such a nonsense uh proposal like the but it's it's a it's a false uh, idea. Like it, it it doesn't actually happen. And I don't think people understand this. Again, it's usually done under the excuse, well, hey, we got to help the offenses and but you know what? Here's the facts. And I don't know if again, if you would be aware of this, I certainly wasn't until I looked it up. So going back to the 2004 season when we supposedly had this monster problem with, you know, low scoring and we're going to we're going to change the world with these new these new rules and and granted uh, the yardage has been up slightly uh, you'll look at passing yardage uh, since that time and in 2004 passing yardage was uh, league wide about 210 yards per game it's now 236 so slight slight improvement that's something uh, but you know what? I, I actually think this this requires maybe a little bit of background music over the period of time that this has actually happened since 2004, scoring averages across the league, 21.5 points per game. What is it now, 10 years later, with all these stoppages of play, as Rocky has mentioned, 22.6. So what does that mean, folks? All these stoppages of play, all these fan interruptions, all these little things that are supposedly helping aiding offenses and na 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 it resulted in... Wait for it. One point. One point. <laughs> I, I, the idea that, but the, but that, and that is so incredibly frustrating. One, one, one point. One I point, folks. Well, I, I think fans would, would gladly trade uh, some of the stoppages and maybe shave 10 minutes off the game for one point. <laughs> you know, one point. Like, it'd be one thing if, you know, yeah, it was 1903 yeah, and scores yeah. were 9 to 6. But that's not the case, you know. I mean, but isn't isn't that an offense? You know, isn't isn't that the impression you get though? That you know, when I hear those old quotes and I hear what you know must have happened to the game. I mean, even look at this year's Super Bowl. The scoring is almost identical. It is very similar to what happened years ago. There's not been some spike in scoring, and, and in the league that doesn't have the illegal contact, the scoring is is exponentially higher. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, college so. games are, are scoring 80, 80 points a game. They're, they're scoring. They're, they are scoring too many points there. When when in fact the rules are are harder. Yeah, and you think about it, you you have supposedly the cream of the crop athletes in the NFL at those positions, receivers, DBs. Those guys want to beat their chest and be you know the best on the field. Let them let them play. Let them put hands on each other. Unless you're straight up tackling the guy, I have no problems with guys grabbing on, you know, to the back of the jersey or things like that. If there's clear restriction, okay, I can kind of understand that. But dude, it's football. It's pitch and catch. You got to figure out a way to get it done. If you don't like what's going on, then then change something about it. You know, if you're an offensive player and you can't get off a of press coverage, you better get better at football. You know, what I mean, I think I think the average fan would look at it that way. I, I just think the NFL, and I always say this when I'm doing games, like I think the, the policy on, on things like a legal contact should be, again, it should be very blatant. It shouldn't take four replays to figure out, <laughs> was that a legal contact? Did he him in the head? It should be like, oh, okay, clearly no that was a penalty. 
If it doesn't jump out, then let's move on and keep the game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think one of the biggest issues that that gets in fans' heads when you you go read you'll read a you know a post game wrap and and you know NFL.com, ESPN, Fox, whatever it is you're reading. And most of the gripes are about these things. They don't like the stoppages. They don't like things that, that could be sort of a, you know, like a, a loophole, which is what, the, what it feels like. Like, I just saw a touchdown happen, and oh my goodness, this, an incredible play that's exciting. The, the stadium erupts. You, you jump off your couch at home. But everyone's got to sit and wait for 30 seconds to find out if they're going to allow it to stand because, oh no, someone might have touched someone down the right. field. Don't touch! And don't touch! <laughs> In an area that didn't, you know, that's Clark Griswold, by the way. Uh, oh, I not, know, I know. <laughs> great, great, an great, great movie. And, and an area that might not have affected a play. And I think that's the, uh, that's the biggest issue. It's like, you know, something away from the ball that didn't affect the play. But, hey, it says it right here on page 78. It happened. So, we have, you know, we got we to gotta live by the book. And Gray knows this as much as anyone. I mean, if you did a by-the-book thing on every play across all – 22 positions there's holding on every single play i mean you can't you can't bright line one rule and then have all the others be interpretive that's that's ridiculous so anyway i'm going to move on to another point where i'll plow through my list if you guys have any others that that are sort of on the top of your head obviously i I alluded to kickoff earlier i'll put that out there again as one that i have i have problem with it you know being sort of reduced to nothing because it's a dead play i mean they acknowledge up front that they don't like plays that there was no suspense and I think one of the biggest issues with this sort of passive-aggressive attempt at getting rid of kickoffs, it's like you move it up five yards, you, you have all these, these touchbacks so that the play happens less. Well, if you thought you had a problem, and, and I'll acknowledge maybe the wedge would have been one of those, air quotes, more dangerous parts to the game, fix the problem, don't just eliminate it. It's like saying, you know, we, we believe rape is bad. Let's just try to have half as many of them. No, <laughs> let's, let's, tr- yeah, let's yeah. try to, let's try to eliminate the problem. But that, that so in, in regards to football, I, I think if you thought there was an element in the play that was unnecessarily dangerous, take that element out of the play, don't eliminate the play. And I think that's, I think that's one of the things that they really erred on. And for this reason, it, comp- you know, competitive balance is supposed to be something the NFL believes so strongly in. But if you happen to, you know, you happen to play in one of the 32 organizations that play indoors, you shouldn't have kickoffs. I mean, there should there should be a touchback <laughs> each and every time, or you got the wrong kicker on your roster. And then you look well, at a situation yeah, like yeah. this when the playoffs, you have, you have kickoffs now being returned. So imagine if this were the NBA, where the NBA Finals has three-pointers and the first two-thirds of the season didn't. That, that's competitive imbalance. You, you'll, teams will be done, built differently, and all of a sudden a part of what should be a part of the game isn't there. Well, and, and part of that, let's remind ourselves of why you know there are so many more you know touchbacks and things because you know they moved the uh, the kickoff line up a little right. bit in a way to supposedly help concussions. And I'd, I'd like to see some data on, on that if if that has really helped prevent any concussions and any, any Not real their data. significance. You know, so so again, we're we're kind of like it's kind of like the go- the U.S. government does all the time. Not to get on a tangent, but it's like oh, we got to do something. Well, that something usually right. doesn't really solve the problem it just kind of makes everyone feel a little bit more warm and fuzzy about it but at the end of the day now we got a, a stupid kind of scenario when when the main point is of football of a nfl football game is excitement energy suspense all that stuff and now we got a bunch of wasted plays where everyone's standing around just kind of looking at each other <laughs> you're absolutely right I, that, great points and i think you know the other thing that gets passed by which most people don't 
you know, recognized as a fan from a fan's perspective, but I know you guys <clears throat> will have an opinion on this. Game day rosters. Why do we have a 53-man roster? Amen. Right. Exactly. Squad, and you can only dress 45. How come you can't dress those extra guys? Because let's face it, we understand that injuries are going to happen, but you're paying these guys to do nothing. That, that's, that's such a huge thing in my mind. If you can dress uh, another backup lineman, a linebacker, a safety, to help out on special teams, that keeps guys fresh. And you talk about consistency of the game and guys getting out there, you know, making plays. When a guy's fresh and you can rotate him with quality depth, that's a huge difference. And I, yeah, you're, you're life of me, I don't understand Yeah. Yeah. No, no, Gray, you, you took the words out of my mouth on that. That was actually on my, my little list here. And, and, and also to, to kind of, you know, play off of that point, what's the NFL so concerned about anymore? Injuries, right? Career-threatening injuries. Well, this is a way you address another eight guys. Okay, well, now that guy that has the high ankle sprain that's got to kind of tough it out because, well, there's we're also short on receivers. So, you know right. what I mean? Now that guy can, 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 you know, there's another guy to fill his place. And he can go on. So again, from a safety perspective, it makes you're already paying them. So what's the difference here? Allow them to be active on game. This is one of these archaic rules, for whatever reason. Was and I've heard the, I've heard the reasonings why they have it, but none of them make any sense. Yeah, why exactly. not? Yeah, the guy's already there. Go ahead and dress him. Yeah, and what, one of the things that that always igno- uh, it, it annoys me, and and you alluded to a Rocky. If this if safety really was the issue, there's no reason you wouldn't have them dressed. For another, think of another scenario in game. Say a guy tweaks a knee, uh, but you're only carrying. Well, this this would relate more to Grace. Say if you're you've gone into a game and you're you're thin at the wide receiver position, so they're going to carry an extra wide receiver or two. You've got an offensive lineman who dings his knee, right? And you're and you're and he really can't be on the field. He really shouldn't be on the field. But because you've carried one less offensive lineman, maybe you've only got seven up for the day, right? And it's not a center guard, you know? <laughs> or it's one of the positions where you don't really have the backup. There's that stress to continue to play a guy uh, be, just because of that stupid, uh, the game day roster restriction. It, it doesn't make sense. If you paid them, as you mentioned, and they're on your roster, why in the world are they not dressed? I mean, this isn't high school football. It's not, you know, whether or not you got to wear your jersey and run around the hallways. Like, everyone's on the team. Everyone's being paid. If <laughs> right. safety was the motivation, they would be there. And I, I add this one second quick point. Understand, I, 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 I say this because I don't believe that safety is really the driver between it, behind any of this. Because understand, since the, t- since the time of, of the safety conversation, they've dramatically increased the number of Thursday games. You don't do that if, they, if safety is your number one consideration. No. You just don't. Revenue is. So there, there's usually a revenue reason for anything we're talking about. You know, there, there, there's a lot of hypocrisy, and that's why I think the mute button for Roger Goodell that's the best point that's been made today yes (laughs) (laughs) but uh, you know i mean i think i think we can all see it fans can see it and when they hear it it's kind of like shut up let's just kick off just let's kick off the game let's enjoy the game i want to i want three hours myself here on the couch before i got to go out and do more work you know what i mean let's let me enjoy this thing well, one of those points, you just mentioned it, you actually use the phrase, maybe unintentionally so, but when we're ready to do this thing, what do we do? We kick it off, which to me has always struck me as such a bizarre thing to continue to use that phrase when you're sort of trying to off it in the background. It always reminds me of, 
you know, I'm going to continue to brand the NFL kickoff special, kickoff, kickoff, kickoff. Everything has got sort of that NFL brand of kickoff. And you've sort of told me out of the other side of your mouth that it's something that's dangerous, something that we need to, you know, sort of cut down on, something that might not be integral to the game. It's almost as if, you know, imagine, imagine you got divorced, right? Imagine you were married, you, you're divorced. But you know what? You're going to continue to use that other person's name because there's still some benefit in having that <laughs> name oh, yeah. with you. Yeah, it's yeah. like I've said, that's that's not for me. But I might hang on to the name because it's got a lot of usefulness. You know, that kind of, <laughs> it's, and again, and this same person that's doing that is 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 hitting you over the head with their integrity, which <laughs> is so foolish. Right. Well, but, uh, well I, the one thing we've learned is that integrity and morals and safety, not, none of that trumps revenue. So I'm going to put out one final, one final idea here that I wanted to sort of bounce off both of you guys and, and, and understanding that this is, this is sort of the third thing on my list. And I actually think this would supersede really anything we've, we've mentioned because I think this is the kind of thing that would actually oversee any of these proposals we've made or, or make, or make, allow for them to come to fruition. And my idea has always been this, that, you know, we have a commissioner who, there's parts of his job that I would say he's done quite well with in the negotiation of, of TV contracts. It's exceptional defending uh, those 32 owners from any outside fire and sort of focusing on himself. Phenomenal. I mean, that's, he's been the punching bag and he deserves the punches. Uh, but I don't understand the idea of that person also seeming as if he's the head of football air quotes, you know, football, the game of football and the reason for that is conflict of interest. Rachel Nichols hits on this when she talks about, you know, they're hiring of outside firms to do these investigations. I, st- I say conflict of interest in that you cannot simultaneously be in charge of maximizing revenue and also the integrity of the game. Those things aren't always going to be the same. Sometimes something that could make you money is bad for the game. Sometimes something that's good for the game is bad for money. And and that's why I think these bodies should exist outside of one another. If you're going to be in charge of the integrity of the game, A, I would put forth, you need a history in the game. Roger, have a seat. B, I would say, if you're going to, if you're going to be able to rule in, in the right way, in regards to, to sort of the sanctity of the game, you can't have other interests. You, you can't be, you can't be the COO that's in charge of making sure the process goes smoothly and also be the CFO who's trying to work on bottom line. Those things can't coexist. So I think they have a problem in that. And I would hope that the next time they step into a collective bargain agreement. And I, again, this is far-fetched, but it's just putting it out there as a proposal. The players sit on one side, the league sits on another. I really feel like there should be a third body because the game itself is neither of those two groups possession. There's no, there's no deed that exists for the game. <laughs> neither of them own it. I would like to see something similar to when in the game of golf where there's, there's, there's a body that says, Hey, these are the rules of the game of golf. You guys get to play it. Uh, you're, you're sanctioned to do this game. Football doesn't have anything to protect the game. It's just uh, a corporation that manipulates it to the, to their best profit and a union that uh, doesn't fight back on much of those things in name of safety. Like we're willing to change it if we think it might extend our career and make ourselves more money. I would advocate that there needs to be a body, whatever it would be that sort of says, Hey, here's what football is just because it could make you more money. You can't make the secondary into a game of touch. You just can't. I mean, that's, that's not what the the founders intended of this thing. If they could get it to a point where everyone on all sides agreed, here is sort of the, the Bible of football. Here's what the game is. 
you can't touch it. And they need someone to sort of protect that real integrity. The commissioner can't do that. He has other responsibilities. And, and be honest, the PA, I don't think, can do that either because they're trying to sort of maximize opportunities for their own players. So anyway, how, either of you guys, in the event that that was something that was a goal, possible, impossible, am I crazy? Well, well, well Matt, I think what you're talking about is essentially – a system of checks and balances. You know, that's why we have three right. branches of our government, right? You got a you know, uh, legislative, right. executive, and judicial, and each one kind of has a play and it's a push and pull. And sometimes it's maybe inefficient at times, but at the end of the day, there, there's more multiple voices. And Roger Goodell is kind of, you know, the proverbial judge, jury, and executioner. You know, he's like you said, he's worried about so many different. You know, has too many things on his plate. There needs to be another another voice to kind of another voice of reason in that thing. So I, I think you're certainly uh, you certainly make a good case for that. Yeah, well, it's you know you think about corruption and the whole thing that went down with FIFA. It just reeks of, you know, where's the control? Why why does one you know why do the entities that are in play why do they have control of everything? Roger, let's take half of your salary, which is still substantial. Right. And have a whole other section of people hired to basically do what you've been very net at doing. I mean, yeah, and their their argument, which I can't stand, is their argument is always his compensation package is based on if they if you were the head of uh, I don't know GM, if you were the head of uh, General Electric, you G, if you were the head of any other major corporation corporation that makes the kind of revenue yeah. that that the NFL does then that's what they're supposed to be paid. Here's the difference, though. The NFL is 32, some public, some private entities. A lot of the, you know, like a Green Bay Packers, that's owned by a lot of the public. That's a stock, stock share thing that's local. A lot of these buildings uh, and a lot of these stadiums are publicly financed, at least in part. Yep. So you, it's not a pure for-profit kind of situation. It's not a pure, uh, you know, this isn't like Target and Walmart and Kmart and all these people in some joint, giant retail conglomerate. There's like a public part to this where I don't think you can just try to maximize every inch, but th- that's usually the argument they make that, uh, you know, I, I don't think it flies. Well, no, and I don't understand why Roger Goodell would, would want all that responsibility. You know what I mean? Why does he want to be to have the crosshairs on him on every, on every little thing? Delegate some of that. Okay, you're still going to make a substantial amount of money. You're still going to be, you know, uh, if you're narcissistic, uh, you know, you're still going to be the face <laughs> of the NFL and all that. Oh, so, but, but again, still get of, your stupid name on the ball. Yeah, I mean, detract some of that a little bit. So it's not all. Again, that's why that's why the uh, the government has three branches. So it's not just like you know the president being a dictator and saying this and that. No, you can say, oh well, it's you know it's all kind of a push and pull among among everybody here a little bit. Take some of the pressure off yourself, Roger. All right, guys. The FBF podcast can be found for streaming, download, and subscription to the show on the footballbyfootball.com homepage, on blogtalkradio.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on the TuneIn app. Be sure to check out our footballbyfootball.com for great stuff by these guys and many other experienced former NFL players. And if you don't already, give Football by Football a follow on Twitter at FB by FB. Or check out the Football by Football Facebook page. Thanks, Gray and Rocky. As always, great stuff. Later. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.